Bobby and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. I love the look and comfort of my new Oakley glasses. The lenses are like nothing I've ever experienced with their prism lens technology. These lenses protect my sun-sensitive blue eyes, but somehow also make colors even more vibrant and details even more clear. And let me tell you, Oakleys, they are popular in my household as both my sons argue over who gets to borrow my glasses. They both play outdoor sports and they know Oakley is the best for training. Plus, I think they want to look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, who is also sponsored by Oakley. Now, my personal favorite pair is from the HSTN collection. I've literally been wearing mine every day since I got them. So let me tell you what you should do. Head on over to oakley.com right now and get yourself a pair of glasses that will change your look for the better. But don't just trust me. Try them for yourself. Go to oakley.com for more information today. Welcome into the vault. we got a special episode on deck for you. It is Thursday, June 15th. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host, Sarah Ellison. And partner, we've been trying to track this guy down for a mm, little over two months or so. we got to rewind back to April uh, when our guest was on the Pat McAfee show, uh, something that he's hosted before. He's jack of all trades these days. It's NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. And before we get into the conversation, let's revisit back in April when your tweet went viral enough to make it on Pat's show during Ian's segment. And in order to do that, we've we've clipped it. So without further ado, here it is. And then we'll bring Ian on, on the other side. So there's a person, what's your name? Sarah Ellison Shout on out. the Twitter. Shout out, Sarah. Um, who actually kind of broke it down based on it's sg ellison is the if you want to look i believe her breakdown comparing the two deals is accurate if you want to throw it up here at some point yeah, it's, it's um, right now it's this is uh you know i i do believe the ravens will probably adjust and you know use this to help get lamar done but the deal they offered him was pre- there you go was pretty strong i mean look at those numbers right so total value 200 million? Yeah, Lamar Jackson's total guarantee was 200 million. We know that? Uh, I believe that is I believe that that includes a kicker that like would have kicked it in year 2, but obviously you're not going to cut him after 1 year, so I believe that is essentially the total guarantee. I don't think we've ever heard. No. That was the discussion we had between the virtual and the actual guarantee, and that's what we were saying. Yeah, but it was like, like a hundred. And, yeah. It was, it was like, like a $65 million difference between what was actually guaranteed and then what the number they were saying. I don't know. It was $200 million was the guarantee. Now, it feels like we've gotten a lot wrong. The Ravens have offered Lamar Jackson $200 million guaranteed. Okay, so you get the point. Being that I bumped into Ian at Preakness last month, I thought the least that I could do is introduce the two of you. So without further ado, Hi. welcome into the vault, Ian. That was pretty so funny. nice to meet you, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, no, great to meet you. That was, uh, man, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's like, obviously, that was just, you know, really a couple of weeks ago, but it seems like ages ago. I mean, the fact that we're talking now, Lamar's done. All the contract drama of comparing one deal to another and what did the Ravens offer and what did they not offer him and why was he not taking it? I mean, that is – and, of course, what did end up happening was they did use that uh, Jalen Hurts deal to bump up their offer and really made Lamar Jackson an offer he couldn't refuse. 
and got a deal done. So that all played out. Um, but yeah, that's that's amazing. That was just a couple of weeks ago. It does. It feels like a, a lifetime ago. It's what's funny is like I work from home and my daughter was turning six. And she's like, mom, let's turn off your phone for one hour. We got to, we got to plan my birthday party tomorrow. And so I'm like, all right, let's, let's turn it off. And just as I'm about to, my, my phone starts blowing up and, 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 and I'm like, and so my daughter, I was like, can we watch this really quick? She's like, okay. And she's like, mommy, he doesn't know who you are. Why doesn't he know who you are? <laughs> so, it was such a, a funny, I do funny now though. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, I mean, that took forever the, the the process between the two, but was there ever, from what you had been hearing from behind the scenes, was there ever a, a, like a real chance that Lamar could have gone somewhere else? No, I never got the sense he could go somewhere else. And, you know, he was seemingly open to it. I mean, his trade request, and obviously his trade request, which dropped around the time of the uh, owner's meeting in March, you know, it was theoretically a trade request. But the way it was explained to me was, if you're not going to pay me, then trade me. And that was, to me, very different because I knew how badly, you know, Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, the Ravens, I knew how badly they wanted to pay him. And I knew the different ways they had tried to do it. Long-term deal, short-term deal, fully guaranteed deal. I mean, all sorts of different ways. Um, and so to me, like, it was a trade request, but it kind of really wasn't. And there was a chance someone would sign him to an offer sheet, but not really. So, you know, I never had any doubt he would be playing for the Ravens this year. I did have doubts that they'd be able to get a deal done. And, you know, kudos to all involved that they actually did. Shifting gears to J.K. Dobbins, I'm sure we'll circle back to Lamar at some point in the conversation. But, you know, what, a couple weeks removed from the cryptic tweets about his uncertain future. We know that he's going into a contract year, the final year of his rookie deal. And as we tape this on Thursday the 15th, he really didn't do a lot at mandatory minicamp this week. And Harbs just within the last hour or so kind of seemed a little standoffish about w when asked about JK and why he didn't participate. Could the Ravens be dealing with a hold in situation for 2023 terms? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that is what it sounds like. You know, I don't know for a hundred percent sure, but usually when a player shows up, doesn't practice, the coaching staff is like, he's fine. And he's going into a contract here. Usually that means, well, I'd like a deal, but you know, I, I don't have one. So, you know, therefore I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, participate, you know, to me, like these are, these are all fine. You know, like these are all, they don't really hurt anyone. There's really not a lot of bad happens. If he doesn't get practice, but it's June. So like he'll have plenty of time to practice in July and August. Plus this is his fourth year in the system. So I'm not worried about it. Or actually fourth year with the Ravens first year in the system, but I'm still not worried about it. He's got plenty of time. Um, Clearly wants a new deal. Um, you know, will they give him one? I don't know. Um, but clearly wants one. And yeah, I think holding is probably the right term here. Yeah, and in this type of situation where you see a player do this, I mean, this is especially at the running back position where, you know, we see Dalvin Cook getting cut and you got all these veterans still sitting out there. What kind of leverage is he really garnering by holding in? Like maybe if you're like a – a superstar quarterback, I could see that putting pressure on the team. But but what kind of leverage? I mean, I'm all here for JK to get his money and get his bag and all that kind of stuff. You never want to see a player get hurt without having that financial security. He's already been hurt before. But does this really earn him much leverage? 
I don't think it earns him much leverage, but it does do something, right? Like what it basically does is tell the team, I'm not that happy and I want a new contract, which, you know, you could say with words, but actions, you know, now the coaching staff is aware and I think had to practice without him. So they clearly know something is going on. Um, and it prevents him from getting injured in a way that would put his future in doubt. I mean, to me, it's not really like about the leverage of, okay, well, now they're going to do a deal. You know, a deal is going to be whatever it's going to be. The market is what it is. And I don't think it's like, well, because he sat out, we're going to offer him more. But it does deliver a very clear and loud message that, you know, J.K. Dobbins probably wants to get paid. Thanks, Sarah and I, we, we've discussed in the last – few weeks, maybe even months of, of offseason that cornerback and the, and the depth or lack thereof in Baltimore is, is certainly a need. I don't know if it's pressing, but based on past years, it could be pressing because of how much they've been decimated at the position. Uh, Marcus Peters seems to be uh, garnering some attention from Vegas. Do you get the sense that something's imminent there from a signing standpoint? I don't get the sense something is imminent. Um, and I don't really know that there's any imminent signings now because – you know, we're basically yeah. right at the beginning of summer. And, you know, could he sign before camp? Yeah, possibly could, sure. Um, and the Raiders would make some sense. You know, to me, it feels like if he was going to be on the Ravens, would probably be on the Ravens, right? Like, Rocky Sin gets signed, that's probably Marcus Peters' money, is my guess. Um, so, you know, I think that ship has probably sailed. The hard thing is, you know, you're right about the injuries and the lack of you know, depth of the position, everything they've dealt with in the past, you have no idea if that's going to repeat itself. You want to be prepared, obviously, but you truly don't know if that's going to come back. I mean, so, you know, you want to spend money and, and be okay, but you also don't know if you're going to end up wasting it because maybe the position this year will be totally fine. Do you get any sense of that? I'm definitely asking this on behalf of Ravens fans because I know that you know, Ozzie Newsome has always said, Eric DaCosta repeats it, that you can never have enough depth at cornerback. Um, they have Rocky Sin and Marlon Humphrey, but then after that, it's a whole lot of potential that hasn't been realized. You don't know what's going to happen. Do you get any sense at all that the Ravens are checking in on the veteran cornerback market if it's not Marcus Peters? I mean, honestly, there's not a lot out there. Um, so right now, I'd say probably not. What you probably will get, and the Ravens do this, you know, every year, like you'll get to, let's say mid August, late August. And they'll either say like, all right, some of these draft picks we signed are ready to contribute or they're not. And then if they're not, well, then you look around the league, you know, say like, who do we like that maybe is on the bubble for someone else? You might pull a trade. You know, there's definitely things you can do. I mean, Eric DeCosta probably does as good a job as anyone of figuring out who's not going to make other teams and who, you know, might make your team and going to get those type of guys. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure they will always be looking. Yeah. So let's be rem <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. I, I was just thinking, I just skipped over this question here uh, and it's, it is changing uh, directions here, but this Deandre Hopkins to Baltimore thing will not die. <laughs> it just keeps coming back, even though he's visiting other teams. I know he's been with new England or he's been with Tennessee, going to New England. I don't know if he's made it there yet. Uh, but there was so much smoke right before the draft that the Ravens could sign DeAndre Hopkins. And then Odell Beckham Jr., he has his first kind of presser since being signed. And he said that before the draft, he and DeAndre were both saying that they wanted to come here, which like reignited 
all fans being like, oh, bring in DeAndre too. So what's it looking like to you? Is Hopkins going to sign with one of the two teams he's visited? Is there any connection with Baltimore at this point? You know, I know there was some interest and some discussion and maybe, you know, I know there were some people around the league, high level people who thought that, you know, the Ravens were going to sign or wanted to sign Odell um, and DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he's visited two teams. The Ravens are not one of them. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, these things are best judged by actions rather than words. So if there was a signing coming with Baltimore, my guess is, you know, the visit would probably be happening or be on the books or something like that. So I don't, I don't get that sense. Um, you know, maybe when, uh, you know, maybe when he signs somewhere else, then the rumors will finally die. I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. I guess speaking of, of signings, you know, Adrian Amos, who, who just ended up going with the Jets, kind of what, what we believe to know about that is that he was basically um, plucked. You know, the, the Jets swooped in at the last minute and the day prior, Amos was visiting the Ravens. So was that a direct result of Chuck Clark's what we think is a serious knee injury or do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that, you know, that's the fear for for Chuck Clark and um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, probably, probably was going to sign with the Ravens. That would be, would have been my guess. That was something I was hearing. I thought was going to end up happening. And then, you know, you get the injury to Chuck Clark and all of a sudden there's a need. And, and this is actually why, um, a lot of veterans will wait as long as they possibly can before signing. Cause you have no idea what's going to come up. And I, you know, obviously it really benefited, um, you know, really benefited, um, Adrian Amos to wait because probably got a little more money than he would have from a team he wasn't expecting because there was an unexpected need created due to an injury in June. Yeah, speaking of waiting, uh, it kind of feels like here in Baltimore there might be like a handshake deal, a wink-wink, nod-nod between the Ravens and Justin Houston <laughs> or at least some sort of veteran pass rusher. Do you know, is, is, is Justin Houston – uh, looking around or, or, you know, is it kind of, well, once training camp starts, they might land a deal. Yeah. I mean, I don't think a player of his, you know, veteran status and, you know, he, you know, really knows everything he needs to know. You know, I don't think he's signing before training camp anyway, or maybe, you know, might be a player who signs into training camp. I certainly mm -hmm. think that's possible. Um, Baltimore would make sense. I don't know if there's any wink, nod deal. Um, but I just know that, you know, a, a, again, like a player signing in June really makes no sense. It's not like Justin Houston's like, where's my money going to come from? Like he's made money. He's done it. He doesn't need mini camp. Like Baltimore would make some sense and signing closer to camp would make sense as well. Yeah. This is Todd Munkin from earlier this week. I have a question on the other side of it. Uh, speaking about Odell, of course, they spent, you know, 2019 in Cleveland together. I was with him in 19. So do I see still a tremendous football player, a guy that can separate and route run and loves to play and brings a certain amount of energy and juice and experience. And then as we practice more together, as we get more together, now we try to fit it together. Um, but he's always going to be crafty. He's always going to be able to find a way to separate. Where that ends up, X, Z, F, that's to be determined. But all that, you know, is just trying to figure out where that fits. And that also with the other pieces, Zay, your tight ends, um, you brought in Nelson getting bait back. And we haven't even had him practice yet. So fitting that all together is really 
a big part of it, but it's fun to try and figure out how to fit it together. That doesn't always, you don't always have that. So limited or, I mean, active throughout minicamp, but we didn't see a ton of them, right? We've seen the the player-controlled stuff that he puts out on his social media in terms of workouts and stuff, but the, the pads haven't come out yet. What's your sense for, for where he is? He turns 31 this fall, obviously hasn't played organized live football in a year and a half. Uh, what are you thinking? I think he's going to be really good. Um, I think he's going to be really good. And, you know, we haven't really seen Odell healthy in quite a long time. I mean, I remember – you know, right before he signed with the Rams when he was a free agent. Um, and, you know, the reason teams weren't offering a lot, the reason teams weren't offering long-term deals are they knew his knee was not right. They knew his ACL essentially could re-tear at any moment. And it was a, you know, a ticking time bomb, essentially. He knew it too. Um, knew his knee was going to tear at some point. It did during the Super Bowl. And obviously it took him off the field for a year. It's a very serious injury, but now he's healthy. So, you know, again, like I'm not worried about what happens in June. Like this is all sort of whatever. Um, I do think he's going to end up really good. And, I, I, you know, I, I I will say this, like when he – it took him a minute or so in L.A., probably took him a month to figure it out. Once he figured it out, like he was he was really good. I mean, he was really good. Like he was on his way to being, you know, I thought the Super Bowl MVP before he tore his knee apart. So, like, you know, whatever fans are expecting – I think that's probably that's probably what it's going to be. So, Ian, we'll get you out of here on this question. Uh, most rosters are set. There'll be some tinkering throughout training camp or whatnot. The AFC is stacked. It's just going to be totally brutal. What's your kind of feel for the AFC? Do you feel like the Ravens have done enough to compete with the Bills and Chiefs of the world? Like, how how do you see this conference stacking up? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they should be they should be right there. I mean, Baltimore always has a good team. They always have a lot of talent. They always have, you know, basically everything they need. And I don't think the roster building process is done. Like, could they add a veteran or two? Maybe will they trade for a younger player who another team doesn't want? Probably. Um, but I mean, they're. I think they are. You know, talk about you know the AFC being stacked. Like, I think they're right there. You know, the only questions they've had was basically surrounding Omar Jackson, and we don't have those anymore. So, like, I don't know what questions there are surrounding the Ravens, honestly. Yeah. Quick programming thing before you dip. Uh, I know that Pat's heading to ESPN. There's going to be a simulcast of the show. Is it starting this fall? Is that what they're targeting? Honestly, I have no idea. Um, I am extremely, extremely happy for Pat. He deserves all of this. Um, He is... He is a madman. I mean, he works like crazy and he has created just an incredible culture in his show that I think, you know, comes through the internet or whatever, uh, or comes to the room when I'm there in person. Like he is, he's awesome. And I'm so happy for him and his friends. Um, they've done a great job as far as the specifics. Like, honestly, like I have not even asked. Yeah. The, the reason why I'm asking, because I think a lot of folks are wondering with that shift over to ESPN and your contract with NFL Network, would there be anything conflicting you from going on weekly segments throughout football? Maybe you can't even answer That's this, but I think a lot of people right are wondering. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have not asked. Um, I, I will. At some point, all of these answers will come. I mean, he has been quoted, um, you know, talking about it. Uh, he knows a lot more than I do. Um it's one of those things where like sometimes it's best to let it play out. Uh, but I'm really, really happy for him and all the success he's had. 
Absolutely. We we're happy that you came on and you gave us some time here. I know it's sort of the dead of off season, but you know, you don't really have an off season. So we, we hope that you enjoy the time with you and your family over the next month and a half. And, and thanks again for coming on the vault, Ian. All right. Yeah, thank you guys it. for having me. Glad finally, uh, glad we finally <laughs> met. Pretty cool. Yes. Same. <laughs> Absolutely. See you next year's Preakness. No, I look forward to it, man. Take care. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, nice enough to to join us on the vault today. And um, I, I'm just glad, like I said at the top, I'm glad that we could get that introduction finalized, Sarah, because when I saw him at Preakness at Pimlico, what it was back in, in May, I guess, I couldn't not go up and say hello because of everything that took place in April. And he's just a, a super nice guy. And, and he's been, I think what's really cool about what he's done with Pat is like sometimes these these national insiders can come across as robotic just because they're so good at what they do, right? Like Schefter, I think a lot of people wonder, does he have a, does he have a life outside of football? They do. And Ian definitely does. And I think he's really humanized himself going on with Pat. And it's, it's, it's just cool that he was receptive to us. He's receptive to fans. Uh, He loves horse racing and I'm glad we could make this happen. It was awesome. It was awesome. I uh, like to your point, like it was nice to get casual in, you know, like we, like you say, we see it on the Pat McAfee show, but he's obviously just sitting in his living room there with his, with his phone in hand and uh, pretty laid back. We got the laid back in, but always good and full of information. So I learned a few things there from him today. I learned that, you know, actions speak louder than words. Therefore, DeAndre Hopkins is probably uh, not a thing. Uh, not going to make very many people in Baltimore happy about that, but we're just trying to live in reality. Uh, learned that, you know, I, I was wondering about like, he, he made some sense on the JK Dobbins stuff. Like, cause JK isn't necessarily getting leverage, but he is protecting himself in terms of injury. And then he just, mm-hmm. like he said, actions speak louder than words. And he's saying with his actions, I want a new deal. Yeah. And Ian sort of co-signed my thought on a potential hold in happening right now, which is like the 2023 new generation term for it's not a holdout. Like he reported to mandatory minicamp. And as we mentioned on the vault this week, full attendance for mandatory minicamp, which was great. Yeah. And he is under contract. Like, I, so I guess I don't quite understand that. I guess, uh, I guess that's actually a better question I should have asked Ian. Like, how do you not show up to something that's mandatory if you're under contract? So maybe that's why it's a hold in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the fact that you now Jeff Zarebeck tweeted out this week that one of the reasons why, or maybe the reason, I don't know. I mean, now that it's a, now that it's being categorized as a hold in, I guess this sort of makes it a little uh, fluffy, but um, Jeff wrote that JK has a soft tissue setback that he's dealing with. So, I guess he had, he was working out. I I saw some beat reporter tweets that said that he kind of like peeked his head out of the weight room to say hello at one point, um, but was not for the most part out on the field at all throughout the three day mini camp. So I just think this is the number one storyline for me um, leading into training camp. Obviously there's going to be a lull right now for the next month and a half. There are other storylines. Of course we, we asked, Ian about them. I think we can put the D hop stuff to bed. Perhaps Justin Houston becomes yet another late summer, even mid training camp to Ian's point, uh, signing for the Ravens on a team friendly veteran kind of deal. Um, what other takeaways did you have from it? Um, 
Well, I, I'll give one more takeaway. It has to do with OBJ. But one more thing I was thinking there when you talked about JK and then you had brought up Jeff's Rebeck with the soft tissue injury. That's interesting because obviously today Harbaugh said he expected JK to practice, but it wasn't in the cards apparently. So... And the apparently was like an irked apparently, right? They had a little <laughs> yeah. bit of an attitude. I thought, Sarah, for yeah. a second, I thought I was like, whoa, whoa, are we in the fall right now? Like that, I did not yeah. recognize that Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently is a word you use where like you're talking to somebody. It's like, well, apparently I'm not enough good. Of, you know, I'm not this for you or apparently this, you know, it is, it is more of a, you know, a sarcastic attitude kind of, kind of word. So, yep. um, so, yeah, so I'm, I, you know, don't know how much, I mean, Jeff said it was a soft tissue injury. Um, I, I don't know, but Harbaugh said later, yeah, I expect JK to be ready for training camp. He said that he expected JK, Tyus Bowser, Jalen Armour Davis, only Patrick Ricard. He said he did not expect to be ready. He'd be on PUP. So um, unless another soft t- tissue injury comes up, uh you know, yeah, that's yeah. why it does sound like a hold-in with the way Harbaugh sounded today. <laughs> exactly. And and while we're on the attendance conversation, Jonas Schaefer logged a few MIA guys. Of course, Dobbins is at the top of that list. Pat Ricard is expected to start this season on the physically unable to perform list. Had an off-season surgery uh, on his hip. So... I think that's somebody that we should target. I, I'm, you know, good buddies with him. Would like to chat with him maybe before camp and we can start to schedule that out um, from a programming standpoint. But um, OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Ronnie Stanley, Rashad Nichols, Delshawn Phillips, and Pepe Williams. Some of these are surprised. Most of these aren't surprises, um, but some are. Like we didn't know that Ronnie Stanley got stepped on to use yeah. John Harbaugh's wording on Tuesday. So he held himself back. It was a personal decision to, to be held back. But to Ian's point, it's June. It's mid-June. So, you know, especially what we were talking about this week with Rashad, right? I think there was a lot of there was a lot of information out there this week on Rashad, and there was a lot of criticism, of course, because of his he's, he's he was sidelined from minicamp, and then we found out thanks to Joe Cena's interview with John that he just had the screws removed from his foot, that Liz Frank injury that he sustained last year. So, uh, it's he's just trying to get himself in the best position for training camp. So, you know, the Rashad Berrymans, uh, the, those those types of comparisons, can we just please like let those subside and die for now? Well, here's where I think we. We've now arrived with um, Rashad Bateman. You almost got me to say Perriman there. Um, <laughs> with Rashad Bateman. Here's where I think we're at. There's legitimate concern, and maybe for some people it's more than concern. It's it's like, yeah, I don't trust him anymore. But there's legitimate concern that he's missed half his games since he's been in the NFL. Now, where we're at right now is – teetering on is Bateman injury prone or did he have bad luck two seasons in a row? That's where we're at because there is legitimate concern after you've missed half the games two years in. I generally just as, as my, like my personality, I'm always like more optimistic. And I also like to give, especially when people's careers are on the line or the reputations are on the line. I always like to give the benefit of the doubt. And so I, without like, yes, there's concern, but without it, to me, it would need to be like three strikes. And then I'm like, okay, now, now I'm ready to say you're injury prone, but a Liz Frank injury. I mean, that, 
those are brutal. I remember Jimmy Smith, who suffered pretty much every injury in the book. He said by far the Liz Frank one was the worst to come back from, and he has dealt with everything. Um, so to me, because Rashad came into the NFL never missing a game due to injury, I'm going to say I'm not ready to call him injury prone yet. I do understand those that are already concerned. So when people are already like, nah, he's already lost his reputation with me because he's missed half the games, now every single time he's going to miss a practice, he has his screws taken. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It's a very good reason that he's not practicing when you take screws out. Your bone is more compromised. It has holes in it. So it's still through the healing process. It was the smart yeah. thing to do if he just had his screws taken out to have him not practice in this. That's the, like if we're really wanting to make sure he doesn't miss any more games, that's the smart decision for him not to practice during mandatory minicamp in June. But we're, this is just where we have to know that this is where we are. People already question him. So people who have already lost faith in him, they're going to use every single mispractice, any like limp, any I'm going to take this play, anything people are going to pile on because they've already lost faith. I haven't lost faith yet. So I'm I'm here for being like, let's give him another year and see what happens. Yeah, I mentioned this on the vault this morning. I'll, I'll say it again. You know, I remember when Marquise Brown came in from Oklahoma with that same exact uh, injury, that Liz Frank injury, and he wasn't as fortunate as Rashad is right now. He had to play a good portion of that season, if not the entire season. I have to go back and look at the, at the numbers there. But with the screws in, Rashad now enters year three with the screws out. And, and the cortisone shot came in, was given to him, sheerly for comfort and maybe some some pain that he was experiencing since they were removed so i think that's a positive going into 2023 for rashad that he doesn't have to play you know limited essentially bogged down literally with metal in your foot um so hopefully that ends up coming to fruition for him but that's just something that i immediately triggered my memory because yeah. i remember that we were literally talking about this with marquise coming into the league i guess it would have been 2019 and, and cer certainly didn't hurt him in that first miami game <laughs> down in his home state uh when he and lamar were going off but uh you know another Bobby. thing to kind of start I was just going to, I was going to try to tie this in. Cause I remember I had said that um, I had one more thing to say about um, Ian Rappaport, which is kind of connected with Rashad. My one last takeaway is that you, you had asked him like, is he, is he good at like, how's his year going to be? And Ian without hesitation is like, Oh, he's, I think he's going to be very good this season. And oh, so yeah. it, it's, that was a big takeaway for me because you know, the rest of the, the rest of the interview, he's like trying to, you know, play it down, play and all that. And he's like, no, no, he's, he's going to be good. And so I, I love hearing that because, you know, one of the reasons why I was a proponent of Hopkins coming Deandre Hopkins, even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen, I wasn't against it. And there were a lot of people saying that were against it saying, well, you're taking away opportunities from Rashad. And so, um, to me, the roster at the wide receiver position is full of a ton of potential and every but and everybody has pointed out well OBJ is 30 OBJ is coming off a major knee injury and so and so to me um having something solid there in in OBJ he might be the most solid guy on the roster in terms of like who's going to realize their potential 
because we don't know what Zay Flowers is going to be. We don't know. We have faith. I feel like he could be great, but you don't know until you actually see it. We think that his size isn't going to like bring him down, but we don't know until we actually see it. We've been saying for years, Bateman can be a wide receiver one, but injuries keep holding him back. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it from anybody on the roster except for OBJ. We've seen it from him at a very, very high level, including in the Super Bowl. So when somebody like Ian Rappaport says, oh, he's going to be good, that is excellent news because we just don't know about the rest of the guys. The Vault is sponsored by Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I've been rocking the prism black polarized lenses this summer, and I'm loving them so far. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run? Do you golf? Maybe you train, or perhaps you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of the above is true, you got to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. And hey, since it's officially summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. So go visit oakley.com to find yourself a pair today. Oakley offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye, but don't just trust Sarah and I, try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Yeah, there's been a lot of folks out there questioning, myself included, whether Odell can be a high volume guy for this team at this point in his career coming off the injury, being, you know, turning 31 this fall. It didn't seem like Ian was was hesitating whatsoever, essentially suggesting that, yeah, he he may be that and all, all that and more, which if that ends up being the case, Sarah, everything else behind him is going to be gravy gravy because of all the playmaking that they have and it takes pressure off of a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy in Rashad and a guy who's going to be trying to learn an NFL system in his first year in Zay and a guy who's trying to revive his career in Nelson and a guy who's trying to play for a contract potentially in Duve so you know there's you can go down the list I, I that would be that would literally open things up insurmountably Tremendous. if that ends up being the case so absolutely as we've done the last couple of days, we've recapped mandatory minicamp on the daily. And so we wanted to do that before we close out this episode as well. And one of my big takeaways from today's media availability, again, we're taping this on Thursday, the 15th is the sense of urgency. And I thought Marlon Humphrey did a great job at being descriptive in terms of this window. He essentially committed to being more invested than he ever has before. I'm paraphrasing here that over the next month and a half, get your time in with your family, get your time in with your girlfriend, get your time in with your dog. Because once we're back here in a month and a half, it's on. And I think there's this universal collective understanding that what they've built 
what the front office has built and what they feel like they have right now. Yeah, there's a sense of urgency. And I think Marlon did a good job at describing it here. Um, actually, uh, what motivated uh, me and Lamar were talking in the train room the other day. Um, but just talking about, you know, a, a quick message, just, you know, I think to win a Super Bowl, you know, you got to put a lot of time and effort in. And I think, you know, while we, we got in some good work, OTAs, minicamp, you got this big break. Whether it's you want to hang out with your dog a lot, want to hang out with your girl a lot, want to hang out with this, try to do as much of that as you can because when we come back, we want everybody to be putting as much time into football as you can. You know, the off seasons are long, plenty of time, but when you, you don't, these days, these practices, you know, being in the NFL, it's a, it's a very short span compared to the rest of your life. So I know that's one of the things that I plan on, you know, making different, uh, different in this season, putting as much time as I can than I, than I ever have before. So, you know, I think we can all echo that, be on the same, you know, one accord. I think special things can happen with this team. Tell you what, Sarah, we're, we're often talking about and referring to Marlowe as the jokester because he sets himself up for a lot of it with his hot takes or cold takes, no matter where you stand uh, on Twitter. And just his, he's got a very playful personality. Yeah. Whoa, that's all business right there. And that just gives, like I said, that gives me a clear understa- understanding that they, they, they understand what they have potentially at their fingertips. Bobby, I uh, this just reminds me what he said there. I mean, that type of stuff fires me up. When I was on vacation last week, you know, I always try to like, it was a beach vacation, so I'm always like binging something. So I checked out the docuseries on the Tour de France, and now I'm watching the docuseries on Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, t- my time covering Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and continue to cover these players. If you want to be great, sacrifice is needed. And and people, sacrifice is such a bad word these days because you think of it as like, oh, like um, it means that you're you're like giving part of yourself. But really, sacrifice is the bargain with your future. Sacrifice is the invention of bargaining with your future. I've seen that with my husband who's worked so hard and, you know, has a great job now. I see it with these guys when I watch the Tour de France where people like lean into the discomfort and pain that comes with training. They lean into, they have these goals in mind and nothing can deter them. Nothing can. And Marlon's exactly right. Like these guys are in the NFL, even guys like, like Marlon who actually get a second contract and he'll probably get a third, but look at Marcus Peters, who we're talking about now. It seems like to me, he came into the league yesterday. It's like gone in a blink of an eye. And now he's on like, you know, trying to like, in that training camp era where like, do I sign last minute? And he'll, he'll get another deal this year and maybe next year too, but it goes so fast and you're never going to have this time again. And so it's like, if you have the goal to win a Super Bowl, it's so much harder. These Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Tour de France, they have a small group to get bought in, but you got to get 53 guys to buy in and everybody has a different role. Some people get more glory than the others. And it's like, but, but if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit now, sacrifice a little bit of like hanging out with, with your dog, as he says, or sacrifice whatever, it's just like it's for a short period of time. And then you have a legacy that lasts forever, forever. So I love it when I hear stuff like that, like from Marlon, that stuff, if you want to be great, sacrifice a little bit because it's going to make you great in the end.
Yeah, uh, this comes off on the heels, right? We were just talking about how short-lived the, the shelf life is for the running back position in today's NFL, you know, with, with Zeke. Zeke, the almighty Zeke, looking for a home right now, you know, essentially. So it's... uh. I, I think, yeah, he, he said exactly that. I think you did a good job at summarizing it. Like aside from the clip that we just shared, he understands that there is this small little window in the grand scheme of life that you can be in the position that they are right now with the team that that's constructed the way that it is right now. Uh, and, and the window that they feel like that they have to have success in, it can be a short lived window, especially when good health is is not following you knock on wood but it, that's been the case in recent years for baltimore marlon wasn't done there either he talked about something that you're all fired up about watching and that is the one-on-one -on -one battles that haven't quite happened yet pads aren't out yet right between odell and marlon we know they go way back all the way back to the 2019 season that scuffle between the two of them when obj was a cleveland brown marlon was rumored to have choked him when you look at the replay he didn't but long story short there was some bad blood there marlon did apologize afterwards the two have since made up as Lacey DaCosta tweeted out earlier this week. Looks like we have a couple besties on our hands here. They're going through walkthroughs together and having a good time joking and whatnot. And Marlon talked about the importance of OBJ being involved. It's been good. You know, uh, uh, meeting him um, in the offseason, actually, uh, at uh, Javante Davis's fight. Um, meeting him then. And then, you know, uh, anytime I meet a guy that just signed our team and the first conversation you have is about a Super Bowl, is a is a really good thing to me you know I, I know his mind's right um i've been talking to him as he's been training um up there with saquon and everything so i know his mind's right i know when we come back uh we're all gonna be just ready to go training camp get the battles going him and all the guys we got um i'm just really excited to get some really good work in and training camp with some really elite receivers uh him and along with the other guys that we've had here and the other guys we've signed so really excited for that Marlon also said, too, that he's expecting a jab to come from OBJ at some point once the pads do come out. So let's not all we're all hunky dory right now. Right. Every sunshine and rainbows, Sarah. But let's wait till that those dog days come around. I'm going to be watching closely these matchups. <laughs> oh, man. You know what, though? This just like makes me like it just lets you know that, like. If people are willing, like you can go from having a terrible relationship to a great relationship with somebody where you're literally have your hands around each other's necks, you know, and uh, and now you can kind of laugh. And uh, yeah, it was quite a sight. I mean, they had to delete it, I guess. Um, somebody from the NFL Network could put up a video of those, you know, Marlon and Bateman, uh, you know, training against each other. I, the more I thought about well, Marlon it, and OBJ. Uh, Marlon and OBJ. Who did I say? Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, Marlon and OBJ, thank you for the correction. Um, I, I, you always got my back with that. Um, so, yeah, but they were going back and forth. It had to be deleted. I was thinking it might have been, remember, the Ravens have always been, they do not want to give away any secrets. And so they limit video and cameras to the individual work. So maybe having a CB and a wide receiver together, I don't know why it had to be deleted, but that's all I can think of right now. Um, yeah. but it was awesome. It was so awesome to see those guys just like, and it wasn't even a big deal. They were just doing this minor drill that like lasted like four or five steps or whatever. But, um, yeah. but it's just, there's something about looking at like, especially in all off season when you've, you've been watching the Eric DaCosta put together this roster and then to kind of like get a first glimpse of seeing it come to fruition. You see 
two great players practicing together. It's iron sharpens iron, iron, and you know that they're just going to make each other better. It's just exciting to see it. I mean, June is exciting for all NFL teams. In June, everybody's going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so why not just yeah. you know soak up the good vibes right now and see these two guys together? And I know you. I know you're going to be looking for a little scrum during turning camp. I, it's going to be. Yeah. Heck yeah. Come but on. You know, like it's this be is all the good t- in the end. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Now, I mean, now they're teammates. Right. But like, yeah. we all know we've, we've both been out there. There are stuff that happens in house, you know, in, yeah. in the de- in the dog days of summer when, you know, when pads are out and it's hot and it, it gets heated and there's competitions, you know, so that's, I guess that's how you build team camaraderie, but there's, there's definitely going to be some guys that have to get separated. I don't know if it's going to be those two. And then since the video was deleted, by the way, I'll just, I'll just kind of describe it real quick yeah it wasn't like a walkthrough right these guys and they but but it wasn't at full speed either they didn't have pads on obviously they were up against each other there was you know so marlin was technically up against the invisible line of scrimmage right for this 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 drill and marlin had to before the ball was snapped you know again this is all hypothetical here he had to go through a ladder drill and then OBJ started his route. So it was a quick little thing. It was just DBs and wide receivers working together off this side. And that was literally it. Uh, Sherry Burris from CBS or NFL Network, one of the two networks, threw it out there. And I'm sure the Ravens, it, it probably just happened within the, the, the allotted time where they don't allow camera access for media and and she probably was just asked to to delete it as a result it's too bad though because there'll, there'll be more where that came from of those two so it's all good yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> some hey, other notes before we jump though go ahead yeah you'll hit it no i was gonna get to get some other notes too so go ahead Okay. Yeah. So I thought this was intriguing. Again, you don't want to get jumped any conclusions. It's mid June here, but is that where you were going? <laughs> literally, literally where I was going. That's what we do partner. We're almost a year into this, so we better be on the same page. But, um, so Salah, my guy Salah that I completely botched as you guys probably remember the week of the draft. Yeah, go ahead. I got it. I got it. Now. Well, maybe not the full name. Salah Amuvai Laulu. Okay, the rookie out of Oregon. We'll go with that. Go. <laughs> he is uh, he's in the mix, according to John Harbaugh, to start at left guard. We know that uh, it's been back-to-back seasons in terms of summer positional battles that left guard sort of been at the forefront, probably been the most compelling. We know that Ben Powers stole it last year and turned it into a heck of a deal. Good for him. You know, he's in Denver now, got a bag to go out in free agencies. So that's phenomenal there. But there is still a void that needs to be filled. It doesn't seem as if Ben Cleveland and at this point is rising to the occasion. Again, it's too too early to say that for sure, but there's not a lot of buzz surrounding him whatsoever, so much so that Salah got work in with the ones, with the ones this week during minicamp. And again, as you see here from Jonas, they wanted to see how it looked. Yeah, I, I thought the way Harbaugh again, you have to, after watching him for so many years. So a lot of times reporters will ask about a certain guy cause they might, you know, get a chance with ones or whatever. And then if Harbaugh doesn't think it's like a big deal, he'll say something like, Oh yeah, the player that you just brought up, he's look, he looks good. And so does this person, this person, this person, then this person. So that way he's not like pushing anybody down, but he's letting you know that, you know, the person you asked about didn't win the job. Now he certainly didn't say that Salah won the job. But he went in depth. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, well, other people look good, too. 
Like he was like, yeah. He's like, I feel like he goes, he goes, this is, what was the word he used? Rare, unconventional, something like that. He goes, but look, he's like, when you start looking good with the third team and the second team, then I don't want to speculate how you could look with the first team and how you could fit with them. He's like, you know, we're in minicamp. Why not try it? And he's like, so you want, you want to like actually get a vision of how it actually looks. And he goes, and with Salah, the fit looked good. So now, like, like he didn't, he, that is, he didn't declare him the winner. Um, Ben Cleveland, I'm sure is still in it. And John Simpson, actually, I've, I've heard is looking pretty good in there. He's the one that got, he has many starts under his belt at guard. I think he came from, was it the Raiders he came from that he just got cut from? Um, so I think he's in the mix, but I mean, shoot, this is good news. Saul is what a six round pick. Is that where yeah, late round six, six round, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember vividly that day that they were kind of pounding the table for the fact that, you know, this is a great pick for the Ravens, but he's a developmental tackle. You know, this is not going to be anything imminent in terms of what he can provide. And again, we don't, just want to underscore this with we're, we're not <laughs> assuming that he is the guy right now. He just, but he, but Harb, we're just an hour removed from what Harb's had to say. And, and he seemed encouraged by it. So positive reviews for a guy who is literally a massive, massive human being. And, uh, and, and that's that while we're on the cop topic of, um, of offensive line, we got to talk a little bit about Kevin Zeitler, who there was some uh, Schefter reporting leading into minicamp that he is in search of a new contract entering the final year of his three-year deal. He has been a stabilizing force at right guard on the other side of the line uh, since the year after Marshall Yonder retired. We, we remember the year after that would have been 20. 2020, and it was a complete revolving door at right guard. And so with Kevin coming in in 2021, the guy's been so durable, so, so stable, such a good mentor for the young guys like Linderbaum. And as Jeff noted on Twitter, Kevin, it was a very brief press conference to his liking. Um, he has no plans of retiring anytime soon. Did not want to get into any of his potential wishes for a contract extension and said, and this is no surprise because he is a team guy through and through. He said he owes it to his teammates to come in and focus on winning. So he's leaving the business aside to his credit. Uh, but Sarah, I know we both agree, or at least I said it earlier in the week. I'm not sure if you're on record for it or not, but I know he's certainly worthy in my mind of, of uh, earning an extension. Yeah, I didn't see, I'm not seeing a drop off from him. It's kind of like, uh, not that he is Marshall Yonda, but it was kind of like Mar Marshall Yonda could have kept playing. He, he oh, didn't yeah. need to retire when he did. He was playing at such a high level that he didn't need to go. Uh, but that was his personal decision. And I'm sure he just wanted to move on to the next chapter of his life. He, you know, had told family and friends reportedly that, that, you know, it was just, he had told his family that he was going to be done. And so he did, uh, but he could have kept playing. And I'm seeing the same thing with Kevin Zeitler. He's not playing at a hall of fame level, but he's certainly playing, you know, close to a pro bowl level and it hasn't dropped off. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not ready to open up that revolving door, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, over yeah. on the, the right side, we already have it on the left side. And so as long <laughs> as, you know, the money is right, you know, as long as the money's right, let's do this. Let's do this. And by the way, us talking about Sala, we need to circle back around. We had him booked 
And then the timing didn't work out for him or us actually in the end. But with him getting in with the ones, that makes it more like we got to circle back around and get that guy on here. I was thinking the exact same thing. I had just forgotten how that all shook out. So we'll definitely circle back with him. We're definitely going to have plenty of content coming up. We're still committed to year-round daily coverage, even though we're entering sort of the dead of off-season. That means there's going to be a lot of interview-style episodes coming up, specifically the week of the 4th. We are going to go dark, but again, that does not mean that we won't have content for you that week. So programming alert, we will not be in morning vault format the week of July 4th. It falls on a Tuesday day this year so what the third through the seventh or some something within there um will all feature interview style content here on the vault so looking forward to that that we're look, we're both looking forward to getting some r and r and um just gearing up for what we know is going to be a grueling but really exciting and entertaining nfl season for the ravens and just a couple notes too along the injury category before we before we run because there has been some new information come in just since the start of this taping we already mentioned pat ricard He's going to likely start training camp on the physically unable to perform list. I hope I didn't say the season earlier on in the show. Uh, it's training camp, not not the start of the season, just in case I said that. Uh, he underwent off-season hip surgery. We'll definitely catch up with him at some point before the start of the season. We already mentioned Tyus Bowser. He's been bothered by a, a slight knee tweak, uh, but Harbaugh did not seem overly concerned. Looks like he'll be ready for camp. And then this is the new information right here that we hadn't yet known. Uh, Jeff Zarebeck, who was out there today for the third day of minicamp said the Ravens had two brief injury scares, but they turned out fine on day three. The aforementioned John Simpson, who's in the, in the battle for starting left guard. He went down holding his knee, missed a few plays, but then returned. And then this would be a crushing blow. Thank goodness. This didn't happen. Uh, knock on wood. Kyle Hamilton, second year safety hobbled off holding his leg. He got some attention from trainers, but returned to practice and had uh, an easy interception. So that's the new stuff that I see. Why don't you close this out if you've seen anything else? But other than that, I feel like we've covered a good amount here. Well, nothing serious, but why not end on a, on a, on a laugh with Marlon Humphrey? So he was seen at practice talking with um, Steve Bashotti, owner Steve Bashotti, right? And so reporters like, hey, you know, what are you talking to, you know, with the owner about? And he's like, all right, if I'm being honest, we were talking about ladies. <laughs> and so he's getting, he's like, you know, he's giving me relationship advice. He's like, he was giving me advice on love. At football to practice, we were talking about love. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And how about that? to be honest. Steve Bashotti knows how to build relationships, whether it's like, you know, I've never talked to him about, you know, love interests or relationships, but he's built a, a, a company and a living and his fortune off of relationships and pairing people up in the workforce. You know, maybe his next thing is to like be a, like a, a, a dating guru. Uh, you can go to him, Bobby. I feel like you need his advice. You should go into him, talk to him a little bit as you like go through the dating world right now. <laughs> Well, that would take some pressure off your shoulders right now because you listen to my stuff weekly. <laughs> right? Oh, I mean, yeah. just just earlier this week, I'm I'm walking on our conference call doing our thing, right? We bump into my sister, Tor, Tor, my sister Tori and I are neighbors, and then all of a sudden we're talking on speaker and Tori goes, "There she is." There she is right there. I was like, or I think I said, it. I said, there she is right there. A, a past flame of mine, but uh, that's exactly just Baltimore right there. Right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, well, yeah. Hey, if Steve ever wants to come, if Mr. Bashadi ever wants to come on the vault, we can do half 
Ravens, half me now. Nobody's going to listen to that. But maybe we'll do that another time. <laughs> so, all right. Well, with that, this will... This will take the place of Friday's morning vault. It'll be out on Thursday afternoon. Maybe if, you know, for those of you who are listening to it, it has already passed Thursday afternoon, but just case, just in case, uh, that's that. So no Friday morning vault. We will be back with a full review of minicamp on Monday, assuming that nothing crazy happens over the weekend that would warrant our attention and trump the minicamp review. And we're a month and a half out, meaning with minicamp, in the rear view now we'd suspect that hopefully next week we'll get the dates the concrete dates for training camps so we can start to schedule things out i don't want to tease anything too crazy but we are talking about you potentially coming to baltimore potentially doing something that would be an in-person thing so just be on the lookout for all that we have to make sure that the dates match up with everybody's schedule and with that great week awesome to have ian on a huge thanks i mean it goes without saying he has a lot going on. Uh, he and Adam Schefter are inarguably the top two insiders in the game. And for him to share 20 minutes with us, okay, like whatever, it's off season. I don't even care if it's off season. There is no off season for those guys. It's much appreciated and um, huge thanks to him. Huge thanks. It's, I mean, it really is a big deal. I'll put Joe Cena up there, by the way, with those other guys. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so... But um, yeah, that, that was just awesome. The Preakness, Preakness was the gift that kept on giving. You got a lot of good stuff out of that Preakness visit. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just got so much knowledge and it was like the perfect, it was actually a really good time to have him on to get him all these questions on these other free agency, you know, questions going on with guys. So uh, massive thanks to, to Ian Rappaport carving 20 minutes out for us. I mean, he gets so many requests yeah. that he, you know, that he, he accepted ours is, is a, you know, much respect to him. Yeah, it's very flattering. And and like you said, Preakness was uh, certainly something I'll be going to again because it was a who's who. And I was able to form a lot of these relationships there. And so why don't I hold myself accountable and just tease something that hopefully is coming up because of a conversation that I had there. And this will this will keep me on top of things, even though we're entering the uh, the time where you want to be outside more than uh, creating. But but Todd Munkin is who I had a chance to catch up with there. And he agreed to come on the show. So why don't I reach out? We'll try and sneak him in before training camp at some point and um, just continue to to build and grind and get ready for our second season together we are coming up on our one year which is exciting since we launched the show last july plenty more coming up for my partner sarah ellison i'm bobby trostet signing off from this special edition of the vault as always if you're interested in supporting us you can do so by checking out what we're offering on patreon.com forward slash ravens vault podcast the, the direct link is in the description of this video or audio episode below we thank Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon.